to Today on Broadway for Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day 2020 on Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Surprise! Surprise! You guys won't let me uh, take the controls anymore, you know? We've heard, we've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ashley is going to see Jagged Little Pill on Thursday night. I'm going to see the first preview of Six, but it's an 8 o'clock curtain. My friend that I'm going with, Annie, who is a Broadway radio listener, she has to work until about 7.15, so we're just going to meet at the theater. So we had a little time, so I figured I'd jump in, say hello to the folks, and uh, do a real quick today on Broadway while I'm in town. I think that this is the earliest we've ever recorded. It's pretty cool. I mean, other than Sundays where we've done some yeah, after uh, this true. week on Broadway. Yeah. Weeknight, though. Yeah, this is definitely probably 6.25 right now is probably the earliest, which means as soon as you publish this episode in the Patreon feed, Michael Riedel is going to drop something huge. Or Bass Bombaboy yes. is going to drop something huge. So just be forewarned. Exactly. And... Uh... This is a, a minor preview because uh, just in a mere 12, 14, 16 hours, you and I are going to be chatting again. We are. We're going to talk about the second leg of my New York trip. Um, it will include, let's see, um, the last thing we talked about Headlands. was was Headlands. Okay, so on Tuesday Hades. night, I went to Hades Town again, saw three understudies uh, in the principal cast. Amber and Patrick were out, as well as Kay, who's one of the fates. Um, so we'll see that. I saw Cambodian Rock Band on Wednesday night um, with our friend Oliver Roth. And then on Thursday, like I said, I'm going to be seeing six. So only three shows, but three pretty big ones that I think folks will be interested to hear about. And don't forget this as well, James, coming up on Sunday night at 10.01 Eastern Time in the PM, we will have the first Patreon-only episode where Jennifer McHugh and I look back at the first two episodes of NBC's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. When Jen and I were getting ready to record, I said, this shouldn't take long. I think we can probably do this in 30 minutes. It's an hour and a half. Uh, so we break down these episodes. We get into it. We also do lists of our favorite musical TV shows and or episodes. So if you miss Some Like It Pop, if you even know what the hell Some Like It Pop was, um, definitely check out the Patreon feed at 10.01 p.m. on Sunday night. Excellent. And uh, also Broadway Radio is being brought to you by ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash Broadway. We have more details on how to save some money on your ExpressVPN membership uh, later on in the broadcast. So first up in the news, shocking West Side Story Man. releases a statement regarding casting controversy. Is it too late for me to back out of doing this episode, James? Yes, it is too late. You <laughs> you are on the ride. The bar has come down and clicked you shut in. Yeah. You have to wait okay. until the end of the ride now. Hands and feet inside yes. the show. Um, okay, so on Thursday, the biggest story came midday, actually mid to late afternoon, when the Broadway revival currently in previews just one week away from opening night of West Side Story released a statement not the first statement, but the most defensive statement regarding the casting of Amar Ramasar, who is currently playing Bernardo. The Evo Van Hova directed and Scott Rudin produced revival has come under fire, increasing fire in recent weeks as prote protests have ramped up ahead of the show's closing concerning Amar's casting. You will remember, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this because we've talked about it. In fact, I published an article over at Broadway World um, last week, kind of going through all of the details. Uh, maybe I'll send over that uh, that link if you want to read through the specifics. But when Ramasar was 
in his Broadway debut and uh, as Jigger in Carousel, he was dismissed from the New York City Ballet back in September of 2018 when him uh, and two other dancers, one that was currently employed there and one that had recently left, were filed a suit against by Alexandra Waterbury, who was a company member who accused them of exchanging explicit photos of her and other female dancers without their knowledge or consent. Those Chase Finley, who was Waterbury's boyfriend at the time, and Ramasar, who were both still with the company, were fired. Then they challenged that firing and a, a neutral arbitrator said that the New York City Ballet had overstepped its bounds in firing individuals for actions that were not involved with their workplace. However, that did not stop people from being upset about this. And then when his casting was announced for West Side Story, it got even worse. Over the last few weeks, there have been protests arranged outside of the Broadway theater where West Side Story is happening. And finally, we got a the first I think, James, this is the first statement that we've gotten since those protests started, although both producer Scott Rudin and the press rep um, – I don't remember who the press rep is. It's O&M. They both released statements in the past. But this recent statement – I don't want to read the whole thing, but it is stark. Um, It says, quote, the West Side Story company stands as it always has stood with Amar Ramasar. While we support the right of assembly enjoyed by the protesters, the alleged incident took place in a different workplace, the New York City Ballet, which has no affiliation of any kind with West Side Story. And the dispute in question has been fully adjudicated and definitively concluded according to the specific rules of that workplace as mandated by the union that represents the parties involved in that incident. There is zero consideration being given to his potentially being terminated from this workplace as there has been no transgression of any kind ever in this workplace. The West Side Story Company does not, as a practice, terminate employees without cause. There is no cause here. The West Side Story Company's relationship with Mr. Uh, Mr. Ramasar is completely private to that company and exists solely between Mr. Ramasar and his fellow company members. He is a valued colleague who is hired to play a principal role in this production, which he is doing brilliantly. And which he will continue to do for the entire unabated length of his agreement. I just I don't even know what to say here, James, because here's the thing. This statement comes out and it is speaking in its language for the entire company of West Side Story. Now, it does when they say West Side Story Company, I'm sure that is the legal filing that they are producing the show through. So when they say West Side Story Company, I'm sure that is the business, not the entire company members. However, he the statement does go on and say that the relationship exists between Mr. Ramasar and his fellow company members. So what they are in fact saying is, is that this company of actors and artists and creatives and technicians support Amar Ramasar. Yet I guarantee you, if one of the company members of this show went out and spoke on the record disagreeing with this statement, that individual would no longer be employed by the West Side Story company or Scott Rudin Productions. I I just feel like this is unnecessary and it's picking a fight because if anything is going to rile people up and get them to protest more, it is a statement that says that he will continue to to be employed for the entire unabated length of his agreement. It just feels like this is poking a bear that you don't want riled up a week before opening unless Scott Rudin just thinks any press, including if it has to do with someone, I mean, 
involving, you know, revenge porn and, you know, sexual harassment is being a member of your company. I just don't understand the thinking behind releasing such a strongly worded statement. I, I understand their statement. Um, sure. And, but they, but they've said this statement in more po- politically, uh, neutral words in the past. I don't understand why the need to release a more strongly worded one, I guess is what I'm saying. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. What I'm thinking here is that the question that Scott Rudin Productions and this production, uh, the West Side Story Company needs to, the legal entity needs to answer is why was he hired? Yes, 100%. Not, not, you know, we're not going to fire him, but why did you hire him in the first place? Is there not one other person on the face of this earth that could have done that role? Yes, there is. I'm. I'm just telling you right now. Yes, there is. I. You know, and I agree with you. I know. I know. You, I'm, uh, yeah. But because I'll be. I'll be honest with you. From having seen him in Carousel and knowing people who have seen West Side Story, which I am not doing, um, he's not a great singer and he's not a great actor. Brilliant dancer. Give him. You got to give him that. Mm-hmm. But what what also makes me really uncomfortable, not just because of whatever power dynamics come along with this that were very similar to what happened at the New York City Ballet. But from another casting perspective, Amar Ramasar is in his early to mid-30s. The majority of this cast is in their early to mid-20s. So if you are going to cast somebody that has his background and you know that there is a very fervent group of people out there who will be angry and resentful about this casting – in which I think that they are completely entitled to be and have every right to be. Why do you cast somebody who's 10 years older than everybody else in the company? It just seems like there has to be something else going on here. Of course, Amar Ramasar's only two Broadway credits were in Scott Rudin revivals. It just feels so weird. And we often talk about how Scott Rudin, for all of the things he does to annoy people, is a brilliant businessman. And maybe he thought that this would get a little bit of press, but it would go away. And maybe it's just enough press to get people to take notice of the revival that might not otherwise did. And maybe it's getting bigger than he anticipated, but it just seems like a horrible, horrible miscalculation by Scott Rudin. I have a solution here. Okay. Go for it. Hey, hey, Scott Rudin, put him in your films and let's get him out of Broadway. Ah, yeah, that's beautiful. Although I would prefer I'm not there either, but that's fine. Um, it just, I just, I don't get it. I just, and I know people are tired of hearing about this and they get mad when we talk about this, but like, this is a major deal. There are protests. This is being covered by all news outlets. I just, I, I'm just at a loss for why this situation exists. And I don't think anybody necessarily thinks that he should never work again, but this lawsuit is still ongoing. There has been no, conclusion to this lawsuit, which means that he cannot speak publicly about it. So because of that, he has not been able to show any contrition, if he has any, and I'm not saying he does, but in fairness to him, he hasn't really been able to, because I'm sure at the advice of counsel, he is, you know, he has not spoken about this publicly. To have somebody have this type of opportunity with the history that he has, you want them to be able to show some sort of contrition, understanding that what they did was wrong, and to show some sort of penance for those actions. And as far as I know, and please feel free to let James know if I'm wrong, um, we have not seen that from him. And, And I think that is the thing that if you at least got that, 
it would smooth over some of the rough edges with this casting. All right. Let's uh, move forward. I'm going to go Please to do. show and casting news. All right. We've got a bunch here, James. So let's get through this pretty quickly. On Friday, the full company was announced for the upcoming Broadway premiere of Mrs. Doubtfire. Many of these folks were involved in the Seattle out of town uh, tryout and have honestly been in rehearsals for multiple weeks. Um, but as previously announced, Rob McClure will play Daniel Hillard turned Euphigenia Doubtfire in the role made famous by Robin Williams. He will be joined again by Jen Gambatisse, Peter Bartlett, Charity Angel Dawson, Mark Evans, Jay Harrison Gee, Annalise Scarpacci, Jake Ryan Flynn, Avery Sell, and Brad Oscar. Rounding out the company will be my favorite ensemblist, Cameron Adams, Akila Anaya, Calvin L. Cooper, Kaylee Cronin, Casey Garvin, and more. Performances will begin on March 9th at Stephen Sondheim Theater, and I will be going this weekend and buying tickets for my brother and niece for when they come to town to see uh, some shows because it doesn't I won't be here but uh, <laughs> we're getting them tickets to avoid the 750 a pop uh, telecharge fees another Broadway premiere announced its casting on Thursday and that was Martin McDonough's Hangman directed by Matthew Dunster the cast will star Mark Addy as Harry reprising his role that he played off Broadway at the Atlantic Theater Company in 2018 along with Tracy Bennett Ewan Brimner Owen Campbell Jeremy Crutchley Gabby French Josh Goulding Josh Hodkins uh, Richard Hollis John Horton Ryan Pope and Dan Stevens who played um, the Beast in the Beauty and the Beast live-action film. Uh, he will be playing Mooney. This show will begin a limited 20-week engagement at the Golden Theater on February 28th with an opening night on March 19th. All right, James, another Broadway show, which is not a premiere. It's already been running for going on 16 and a half years. Wicked announced its new pair of stars as Lindsay Pierce, who had a breakout role on Glee after competing on the reality series The Glee Project, will make her Broadway debut as Alphaba this month. She will succeed current star Hannah Corneo in the role. Also joining Pierce will be Sam Gravitt, who will take on the row of Fierro. Uh, succeeding Jake Boyd. Gravit made his Broadway debut last year in the ensemble of the show. What's interesting about this, James, is this is the second Alphaba in a row that is not coming from inside the Wicked family. For a long time, we only got Alphabas who had either done the, the, the role on the road or were an understudy uh, and standby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that we are getting two consecutive Alphabas who have not done the role before. Either way, both of these actors will begin performances on February 25th. And finally, moving from Broadway to the off-Broadway, the Public Theater announced its complete casting for the upcoming world premiere musical, The Visitor. It is being written by Pulitzer Prize-winning team of Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie. They are writing music and lyrics, while the book will be written by Yorkie and Kwame Kwai Arma, and is directed by Tony winner Daniel Sullivan. Once on this island, and Hamilton alum uh, Alicia Deslero will join the principal cast as uh, Zainab, replacing the previously announced Jokina Kilakongo, who withdrew due to scheduling conflicts. She will star with the previously announced David Hyde Pierce, Ariel Stachel, and more. The new musical is based on the acclaimed MD film of the same name that follows Walter, played by David Hyde Pierce, a widowed college professor who has lost his sense of purpose until he discovers two young undocumented immigrants living in his New York apartment. The Visitor will begin performances at the Public Theater on Tuesday, March 24th. And as is always the case at the Public Theater, the first preview, the Joseph Papp free preview is, well, free. And the uh, production is currently scheduled to run through May 10th. And if it's any good, 
I'm imagining it will extend multiple times. <laughs> All right. So uh, let me tell the listeners that uh, today on Broadway is being brought to you this week by our friends at ExpressVPN. And uh, some of you might not know what a VPN is. Matt, do you know? VPN. I don't know what it stands. I mean, I know what a VPN is. It's a virtual proxy network. Is that private, right? Private. Private. Oh, I was so close. Yes. Virtual private network. And privacy, private is the key word there because you want to make sure that what you do online is private. So uh, whether you're on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop, anything, you can use ExpressVPN to make sure that all of your information is private. If you're connected to a public Wi-Fi at a network, uh, at a hotel, an airport, a coffee shop, anywhere, there's no way to know how secure the network is. It could be 100% secure or it could be very insecure and showing all your personal information. If you use ExpressVPN on any of your devices, this will prevent anyone else from seeing your private info. Second reason to use ExpressVPN, Matt has pointed it out. You can mm -hmm. change your location and uh, so that you can view services that are restricted by location. Um, we can't tell you about something, but at uh, midnight on Friday morning, there's going to be an announcement. And we can't really tell you any details about it because it's embargoed, but... You know, I didn't even know that. I don't even know what this is. You don't know it, but you can use ExpressVPN to help you get this stuff at midnight. Ah, and, okay. Uh, and, I see what you're laying down. Yeah, you see what I'm laying down there? And, uh, you know, if you want to be the first person to listen to it, you know, log into uh, your perhaps maybe iTunes in Australia or Spotify or... Yeah. If you feel if you feel the need to go and sing in the street, that would yeah, be a great thing to do. Exactly. So you can choose from almost a hundred different countries, and don't let technology stop you from getting your Cy Coleman fix. Cy Coleman. All I don't right. know where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been uh, changing it up every day with different writers and different folks. We had the Sondheim, we had the Bill Finn, we had Pasek and Paul. Today is Cy Coleman Day. Feels right. So ExpressVPN is lightning fast, and you will not have buffering issues that other VPN services have. And if you visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Broadway, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Show the sh Support the show. Watch what you want and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Broadway. All right, Matt, what do we have in other news? All right, we've got two kind of season announcements that I wanted to run through. Mm -hmm. First off, first up, the Algonquit Playhouse up in Maine announced its 2020 season, which will include two, I mean, shows that I imagine would like to have lives in the New York City area. The first is a production of The War of the Roses, which I think was originally announced for Broadway literally like four years ago. It has been kind of uh, delayed in multiple times, but it will now be directed up in Maine by Tony winner Jason Alexander. The dark comedy which follows a divorcing couple has been reimagined for the stage by Emmy winner Peter Tolan and will run at the Playhouse from August 26th through September 19th. The Algonquit will also present the world premiere of the new musical version of the of acclaimed film Mr. Holland's Opus, which features music by Tony nominee Wayne Barker. And this is super interesting book, lyrics and direction by Tony winner B.D. Wong. Hmm. 
that's amazing. Uh, I did not know that he was doing this. So this is great. The show follows an aspiring young composer who begrudgingly takes a job as a high school music teacher that may, to make ends meet while starting a family with his new wife. Performances are scheduled for August 1st through the 22nd. That's a quick turnaround because it's only four days between uh, Mr. Holland's Opus and the War of the Roses. So it looks like uh, late summer, early fall is a great time to be in Maine. And finally, James, wrapping up the news today, the Metropolitan Opera has announced its 2020-2021 season, and there are a lot of theater connections here. The aforementioned West Side Story director, Ivo Van Hova, will make his highly anticipated house debut with Mozart's Don Giovanni and Jake Heggie's Dead Man Walking. Additionally, Barry Kosky will make his debut with Fiery Angel and Simon McBurney, who uh, he did. What did he what was his show that was on Broadway a couple seasons ago, James? Um, oh, I have no but, idea. Oh, okay, I forget. Anyway, um, he'll make his debut with Mozart's The Magic Flute in whatever language that is, German. I don't know how to speak German. It's The Magic Flute, though. Um, Tony winner Michael Mayer will also return to the Met with a new staging of Verdi's Aida, which apparently is not the inspiration for the Disney musical, as you and Michael Portantier pointed out. Uh, that will kick off the season on September 21st. Simon McBurney, The Encounter. Right, yeah, with the audio stuff, and it yeah. had like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I thought it was, but I didn't want to speak out of my wrong side of my mouth. Yes, exactly. All right, Matt, you got a show to go to? I Tell do. Tell us, uh, you got a, You have six seconds to get out of here. Thank you for listening to today's Day on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Apple Radio. You can follow me on Twitter, at BWBMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for winding up the week with us tomorrow we have a special from jan simpson in the feed and then sunday this week on broadway but also friday afternoon matt is gonna have a special episode ah, getting ready so we'll talk to you then 